In this week's episode, I'm joined by Rhodes Perry, founder and CEO of Rhodes Perry Consulting. This week, our conversation is about Indian companies actively supporting LGBTQ plus employees and customers, Wayfair's new supplier diversity initiative, and much more. Hey there, my name is Bernadette Smith. Welcome to Five Things in 15 Minutes, my weekly show where I bring good vibes to DEI. That is good vibes to diversity, equity, and inclusion with a little dash of corporate social responsibility. What I've found is that there are lots of news stories about what's going wrong in the world and lots of negative data, but there are also a lot of things going right. That's what I like to focus on. I search for DEI stories that we can be inspired by and learn from. My hope is to inspire you to experiment with some of these inclusive actions and policies within your own organization to help you build a more inclusive world. Let's get started. Rhodes, will you please introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. It's really a pleasure being here with you, Bernadette. Uh, I think I've done this with you before, and it's nice to be back. As you said, my name is Rhodes. I use he, him, his pronouns. I'm based out in Portland, Oregon. I work with companies all across the U.S., and my big focus is helping businesses build cultures of belonging and really looking at what's contributing to this epidemic of exclusion and loneliness and othering and what we all can do to change that reality. So it's, a, it's definitely, there's a lot of good vibes to talk about, and I'm excited to do that with you today. Awesome, Rhodes. I think the last time we may have done this, it wasn't even a podcast. So yes, it's, uh, it's great to have you back. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about your work and uh, let's talk about your belonging community. Will you tell folks a little bit about, about that? Because I think it's a really unique approach to bringing people together around DEI. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's one of the things I know one of your questions is what brings you hope and community is definitely a big piece of that. So my team got the belonging community started at the beginning of the pandemic, really. Uh, we were trying to kind of sort out what world are we moving into? What does this mean for our work? And we certainly aren't the only people thinking about this. So what we did is we really gathered um, as many people as as <laughs> people who wanted to show up to have those same conversations that were DEI professionals um, so that we could support each other by practicing community care, sharing what's working well, also offering up being vulnerable enough to build safety in our space to talk about the things that we're not really sure how to move forward. And has anyone else been in the situation before? And it's a, it's really a community of giving and care and it shifted over time. Um, and it's it's great to meet up with people that are doing the work as well and really looking to each other to, to support one another in a, a space where we are practicing building psychological safety as we go. So it really is, we move at the speed of trust and it's been, it's been a source of connection for me, which is so important. And um, yeah, I, I love doing it. And if folks are interested in it, I'm happy to share more info. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. And I love your, your line. We move at the speed of trust. Mm. I think that's a, a real gem. Can you uh, talk a little bit about your event coming up? You have a belonging community event, right? 
Yeah, we have the the Belonging Network Summit, and so that happens every year, and we're going into our fifth year, and we're making a lot of changes. So um, the summit itself may look slightly different. Um, over the course of the summer, we did uh, a three-day learning experience called our Belonging Summer School. So it was really for people that were around, were not on summer vacation, and really looking to deepen their practice and talking about some of the the more challenging things that we deal with where a workshop or a course hasn't been created yet. So again, it's kind of learning from our community and then bringing out to a bigger audience what, what we're talking about and things that are promising practices that haven't yet been researched or studied, but they're they're showing some positive kind of return on investment in the short term. And so we we offer that up as a gift to other people who are interested. I love it. So when is the next summit for this fall? Yeah, well, we tentatively have it for November 6th through the 10th, and that's likely to change. So if people are interested in that work, you know, join the Belonging Network newsletter. There's there's good info there, but there's definitely a lot of learning and some coaching experiences that we're going to have lined up for next year, which is really built off of what we're learning in the Belonging membership community. I love it. And I love that you created a summer school program. That's That's super fun. So, yeah, I mean, you talked uh, briefly about what's giving you hope, Um, you know, in your specific work with clients, are you finding, especially when there's so much negativity out there, so much, you know, backpedaling in some ways, is there anything in your work with clients that's giving you hope? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think it was one of the things that you had mentioned in your newsletter, which is just the focus on Gen Z, right? Kind of the, the largest generation, the youngest generation that's already in the workforce, and that's a big motivator for a lot of my clients of when they're trying to get the stamina, maintain the stamina to kind of keep going after making commitments. A lot of the clients that I'm working with have made recent commitments after the murder of George Floyd in 2020 and just kind of feeling like, well, what do we do next? Like, where are we going? What's the vision? And it's that reminder of this youngest generation that's already in the workplace that has high expectations of an employer's commitment to diversity and inclusion. And I was kind of looking up some stats before this and 83% of Gen Z, there's 2 billion Gen Zers around the planet, really, really look at a company's, an employer's commitments to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And that's a significant factor of where they apply, right? So for, for clients, you know, to really motivate them, you know, to be an employer of choice, like what will inspire, what will attract this younger generation to make sure that this isn't just lip service, to make sure that you're consistently making actions so you can describe those actions and not just at the top, but making sure that staff throughout the organization really understand the why, understand how this impacts them. If a recruiter gets a question of <laughs> what what are these commitments, what kind of, what, what um, tangible deliverables have, have kind of come to fruition, that people feel that they can answer those questions and aren't looking around or, that they know it because it's just a part of the company's ethos. So I think looking at what younger people want, what they expect, and the fact that this generation, you know, um, 62% of Gen Z believe that diversity in general is a good thing, that that definitely motivates me and inspires me. And it's something that I like to share with clients as just a reminder of the future of work is a younger generation that's already here and already shaping it. And in my opinion, I think in really beautiful ways. Yeah, I agree. And in fact, I wrote about that a little bit in in this week's newsletter, Who Asks Who? Because, you know, what what we know now is that during job interviews, Gen Z are asking the interviewers, tell me about your commitment to diversity. 
And so I think that, you know, we're seeing the tables being turned and companies are really having to, to prove it. You know, they're having to really answer those questions from the candidates because culture in diversity is so important. Yeah. Yeah. I also love, you know, in some of the work that I do, I help organizations build um, a, a greater degree of gender inclusion, primarily for trans and gender expansive folks. And for Gen Z, I mean, nearly 20% of Gen Z identify as a gender other than male or female. So just kind of looking at non-binary folks and, and trans folks that fall under that umbrella. That definitely makes my work a little bit easier to say this is this is a big group of people that already expect that you have forms that are inclusive mm -hmm. of them, that have systems that where you're not just kind of bumping up against them. And so it's really being proactive to prepare. And so I think that was one of the other stories that you shared. Um, of marriage licenses that no longer yeah. have kind of gender on them, right? And I think it was Massachusetts or Boston. Yeah, or let's let's get into yeah. that actually. <laughs> yeah, I'll go for it. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move into this week's good vibes, including that first story on the city of Boston, which has updated its marriage license requirements by removing the mandated sex or gender identification box. So folks who are applying to get married in the city of Boston no longer have to choose a rigid binary male or female box. And I think it's the first city that I've heard of, first place that I've heard of that is doing this. And I think it just is illustrating exactly your point. Yeah. I mean, I think it's great. I think it's great. And, um, and I was looking at this, you know, 60% of Gen Zers really want to see forms, just basic forms that move beyond those binary options of male or female. And I think that's great. And I think what Boston did was even better of just kind of completely reading it, um, you know, and, you know, I, I think that that's helpful. I also think, you know, I'm a big data nerd. And so I think it's really important that we accurately correct data around gender along with other demographic categories to make sure they're as inclusive as possible. So I kind of go back and forth on that piece of like, well, how can researchers look at couples that might be trans and cis couples or trans couples broadly, right? And what those needs are. So there does feel like somewhat of a loss to that. I also feel like there's freedom if people don't feel safe enough to share that information. And I think in a workplace setting, you know, providing optional demographic information for people to opt in and to explain, you know, hopefully that that's done in an anonymized way, what the data is going to be used for. That's so, so important to really understand where those barriers exist, because there there are some very significant barriers for trans and non-binary folks in the workplace. So, so the fact that Gen Zers are pushing to say, hey, we want more inclusive forms, that makes me excited. The fact that Boston is kind of more broadly saying, we actually don't need this, you know, for, yeah. for what that that matters too right so there's nuance to collecting information like that all right i completely agree all right we're going to move on to the next story which is from bank of america increasing its minimum hourly wage to 23 dollars an hour in october part of its plan to raise the hourly wage to 25 dollars an hour by 2025 and as a reminder the federal minimum wage is a tragic $7.25 an hour. So for, for folks in places that have, that in, in states that subscribe to the federal minimum wage, this is going to make a huge impact. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, 
I have a career or a history of kind of work in economics. And so when we talk about minimum wage, I have a lot of, I have a lot of critiques around minimum wage versus livable wage. And the fact that Bank of America is moving in the direction of a more livable wage for employees is really, really huge. And I think that, you know, this is when we talk about economic justice, like bringing that into our work, into our DEI work can be tricky, right? Um, especially, you know, depending kind of the, the, whether you're internal in an organization or you're externally supporting an organization, really kind of pushing for kind of giving a picture of what that can do, how that can change the reality of employees who are struggling to make ends meet. You know, if people have what they need so that they can do their best work, they're going to do better work, right? And obviously, we live in a world where we have to bring in money to take care of our basic needs. So the fact that Bank of America is moving in this direction is huge. I hope that other companies of that scale and size get inspired and recognize they might miss out on some talent if they don't follow suit. And I certainly hope, you know, at the federal level to to make sure that employees have have the basics of surviving is huge. And maybe we look outside of the box of just looking at minimum wage as a tool for doing that, looking at kind of universal income. You know, there's a lot of really interesting proposals that are out there that are within our means. It's just about priorities. And my hope is that more of us in the DEI space can continue to talk about that and bring in, you know, the the discussion of the role of unions and organizing labor. You know, I mean, that's another huge topic as well that we don't have time for in 15 minutes. But that's, <laughs> when I read that story, I'm like, oh, this is really great. And it kind of sparked so many other ideas. And for me, myself, kind of getting curious of how can I bring more of this into the DEI work that I do definitely a, a story that was inspiring. So thanks for, for lifting that up. Yeah, absolutely. And as we start to see uh, more conversations about livable wage and universal basic income, et cetera, and more pilots, of course, we'll talk about them here on Five Things. Yeah. All right. Next story is about major Indian companies who are now actively supporting LGBTQ plus employees and customers through initiatives like expanded employee benefits, ads on billboards, and inclusive content in movies and TV shows. So we're seeing this from Starbucks, Netflix, Razorpay, and a bunch of other companies which are really normalizing LGBTQ inclusion in India, which has made significant progress on LGBTQ plus rights over the past few years and, and uh, is potentially legalizing same-sex marriage there. It's huge. I mean, it's huge in the, at least in the United States, we're seeing massive backlash to a lot of the gains that we've experienced over a decade ago. Um, internationally, there's there's at least a dozen countries where it's illegal and potentially it could threaten your life to be openly LGBTQ+. So the fact that India is leading, potentially recognizing same-sex married couples, huge, right? Um, and that positive visibility, we certainly need more of that. Um, positive visibility coupled with accurate information about who we are. There's so much misinformation out in the world right now. So I think any kind of positive story that, that we can point to at this, at this kind of moment that we're in, it definitely helps me to, to keep going, yes. to maintain stamina and to educate others when, when so much misinformation is out there about who we are, what our families look like, <laughs> what we want, what we want is just to live our lives freely and kind of yeah. have the basic necessities that everyone else has. 
I completely agree. And I think it's great to, that the media is being used for positive influence over there. All right. Uh, the fourth story is from Wayfair, the home furnishings website. It has introduced a supplier diversity program to expand its offerings of home goods from Black-owned suppliers. So what this means is that they have a dedicated landing page and search filter for customers to find these products. They're coaching these suppliers on what Wayfair customers look for. And they are giving them some additional training as well. And I, I love this. I mean, I think this is exactly what we need to be doing more of for equity. Yeah. I mean, I think supplier diversity is kind of the rocket fuel to advancing your DEI goals. I mean, who better than to hire, you know, Black-owned companies, BIPOC-owned companies, LGBTQ plus-owned companies to help look at some of those barriers that exist with inside the workplace and just kind of say, why not do it this way? We have expertise in, in how to make these changes. And the fact that, you know, really prioritizing Black-owned businesses for Wayfair is huge. I mean, they're a massive company. And that's just a fabulous way of building wealth within Black communities that might be surrounding where their headquarters are at or wherever they're located. Um, I, it, it's massive. And I think the the fact of listing companies, right, to kind of establish new business relationships is huge, right? Because that's that's how we kind of grow our businesses. That's how we scale is having those connections. So that's just a way of amplifying some of these businesses. I think more broadly, you know, for folks thinking about, you know, we could have a supplier diversity program or we don't have one yet. How do we get started with that? You know, I think just kind of knowing kind of culturally specific chambers of commerce that are located around where your company is at is a great way to get started to maybe replicate something that that Wayfair has established for you to to be inspired and to do that. And that's one of the areas that that we focus on in our company is to really help with that kind of program programming. And, and it makes a huge difference, right? That return on investment is massive. So I love that. I love that story. And it definitely, yeah, it's this validation, like keep going and, and really work with your procurement team to think about how you can add that as a capability for your own company. Absolutely. And even small businesses can start to think about their suppliers, their vendors that they use and, and diversify them as well. Okay. The fifth story comes from the Lyric Opera in Chicago, which is where I'm based, which is pioneering a new wearable technology called the Sound Shirt designed to help hearing impaired patrons feel music through vibrations. So this includes 16 tiny motors that vibrate in response to sounds from the orchestra, allowing the wearer to experience music in a unique way. Now, I want to say it's still not music, and it does work best with an American Sign Language interpreter and subtitles available at select performances, but it is a step in this direction towards more diversity and or inclusion in the arts. I love it. I love it too. I mean, when I first read that, I was like, oh, that sounds so great. And, you know, it's one of those pieces, right, when you're thinking about accessibility, where you're centering a group of people kind of least likely to feel um, included, right? And really trying to change things up of like, how do we invite in people that are hard of hearing or people who are deaf to really experience music? And I think it it shines a light on one, you know, probably the fact that someone who is hard of hearing or deaf was able to help design and be a part of that product team to create that, right? Like that's where we see the return on investment of making sure that underrepresented talent are a part of kind of all core aspects of your company. And it's huge. And it's also, you know, it's something that could benefit people 
who maybe aren't deaf or hard of hearing to experience like feeling vibrations too. I'm like, I want to be a part of that. I want to feel that. And I know that that's designed for me. Totally get that. Right. But it's almost kind of like thinking about curb cuts or all user restrooms, you know, while that benefits people who, who may have disabilities, it benefits so many other people as well. So it's just kind of a good example of how a targeted approach can benefit the greater, the greater community of people that also might be curious about this new technology. So it's, it's interesting and I'm excited by it. I love it. I love it too. All right. This week's call to action is to check out the Diversity Beyond the Checkbox podcast hosted by last week's guest, Jackie Ferguson. It's a great, great show. I was a guest on it a few years ago. Definitely worth checking out. Rhodes, you have a podcast as well. Why don't you tell folks about that and how they can get in touch with you? Yeah, yeah. It's called Imagine Belonging. And uh, it's it's interviewing DEI pros like yourself, like me, and really kind of getting insights on what the future of work looks like, how can we get clear on what it is that we're trying to build, what kind of culture we really want to have to experience and feel on all sensory levels and figuring out a path to kind of move towards that North Star. So I love it. I'm really inspired by the people I get to chat with. And and again, we talk about some of the harder topics of, you know, how do we, how do we, how do we deal with AI right now and how that impacts mm-hmm. everything? And um, how do we make sure that there's that there's responsibility around some of the pitfalls that exist with technology like that. So that's just an example of some of the, some of the juicier topics that we dive into. You can, you can find that podcast wherever you listen to, to your shows. Um, I recommend Apple, but you can find it anywhere else. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much, Rhodes. It has been awesome having you as a guest. Great to see you and talk to you as always. And folks, if you don't already get the five things newsletter, you can subscribe at five things, DEI, Dot com. Thanks so much and have a great week. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to Five Things in 15 Minutes. I hope you found yourself inspired by at least one of this week's stories. If you did, would you mind sharing it with a colleague and leaving us a review on your favorite podcasting platform? And if you don't already get my Five Things newsletter, join at fivethingsdei.com. I'm Bernadette Smith. And I'll see you next week right here for five things in 15 minutes, bringing good vibes to DEI 